I'm Aria Schwartz, and welcome to the Windsider Show, where it's all about the W. This season has been going 100 miles per hour, and I'm hyped to dive into the action with the great Lindsay Darkangelo. You already know her, so let's get into it. like our show please consider joining our patreon community patreon.com backslash windsider for less than a cup of coffee a month you can directly show support for the hard work we do covering the w and don't forget to see our staff's amazing written content over at windsider.com that's windsider.com and remember downloading the episode makes our stats better and your listening experience better which allows us to continue doing this important work Lindsay Darkangelo, welcome to the show. Uh, a, a friend of the show, uh, a friend of mine. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Talking some basketball, so I'm always good when we're doing that. Oh, yeah. I, I'm so grateful that we can have you as a recurring guest on the show because I always enjoy our little chats. Um, we have a fun one today. We're going to get going. Let's just hop into it. Lots of happenings in the W early on in the season. Let's touch on some big topics. I think We'll disagree on some things, but as always, I think respectful disagreements and debates around the W just grow the game. And one day I will not feel the need to preface stuff with that. But before we get into it, why don't you remind everyone where they can find your writings and where they can see your Twitter thoughts. Yeah, so I write about women's basketball in the WNBA for The Athletic. I also um, am going to be doing the same for Just Women's Sports. That just was a new development. That happened last week, so I'm excited about that. And you can find me on Twitter at darkangel21. That's D A R C A N G E L 21. Your Twitter handle sounds like an old school comic book superhero. And I like <laughs> it. Um, but enough about that. Let's talk about a hot topic that was blown up the Twitter Twitter sphere, Twitter world, whatever you want to call it, over the past few days. Tina Charles. Goes three games in a row, dropping 30 or more points. There's not many WNBA players who have done that. It's an amazing feat. I want to tip my cap to her, give her all the flowers for this. But it started an interesting kind of snowball effect of the discussion, which probably, realistically, were too early to have the discussion. Some teams have only played two games. But can you ever be too early for a way too early uh, debate? I don't know. Who knows? MVP discussion. Um, there's some players who are standing out. There's only two teams sitting right now in the WNBA who have a winning record. Excuse me. Three teams. Sorry. The Seattle Storm, New York Liberty, and the Connecticut Sun. And while I vehemently am against the idea of you just pick the best player, or the best stats player on the best team in the league... It does kind of open the door for an interesting discussion of the MVP race. Now, my assumption is that you think Tina should be included in this, and I'm completely basing that off of a tweet that I, I think I saw you tweet. Tell me your thoughts on the MVP race. Yes, I did do a early WNBA MVP watch list that I tweeted out today. And, you know, it's like you said just a moment ago, the healthy debate is good. It's good for basketball. It's good for women's basketball. It's good for any sport. Um, it's nice to have these conversations and, and we can disagree and, you know, it's just, it's a topic of, of conversation. That's fun. Um, as far as Tina Charles goes, so just looking at stats and whatnot today and like, um, this could, her whole, her whole offensive run here could change once Deladon comes back. Right. Um, yeah. uh, because the ball won't, won't be in her hand as much as far as opportunities go, but she is playing very well. She's uh, on a, is it three games now? She's got 30 plus points. Um, if she gets another one, the only two other players in WNBA history did have done that. Maya Moore and Enrique Ogubale. You can double check my stat on that, but I believe I saw that earlier today. I believe you're right. um, so that's, you know, that's good company right there. And she's, she's averaging, um, 26.2 points per game and but also 8.4 rebounds so it's not just about you know uh the point total 
Um, her uh, her win share is I don't know right right in the pack with um with with other players like uh, Jewel Lloyd and John Cole Jones and Joanna Bonner and uh, Sabrina Inescu. So you know she's it's it, she's playing well. And if this is an early MVP race, you, you, like you, I just don't look at, you know, point total. I think we discussed this the last, I think we discussed this last summer when we were talking about MVP. You and I um, just always chatting MVP. Yeah. <laughs> you don't just look at the, the highest score, right? You yeah. look at the point totals, of course, because that matters. But you also look, I like to look at Winshare. I like to look at um, player efficiency rating. I like to look at how else they contribute. Um, uh, on the court with their other teams, which would be rebounding, which would be assists, which would be, you know, steals, blocks, all that stuff. Um, so I try to look at the all around game. And I just think, I think Tina Charles is, is having a good stretch. Does that mean it will continue? No, I mean, it, it could very well not. Um, but yeah, so that's why I had her on my list. No, and I respect that. I, my thing is just like the whole overall record of the team and which, and I'll always play devil's advocate to myself of like, mm-hmm. I'm not pro, as I said a moment ago, I'm not pro, oh, you're one of the top teams, so you automatically get it. Because very often, if you're a top team, it's not just because of that one person. It's because of a body of work from that team. So I completely get that. And like for me, it's just it's hard when you have a losing record. And I will also say that you're much smarter than I, and you use much more advanced stats than I. With me, I, I look at assists, rebounds, points overall team record and then kind of the eye test of mm-hmm. okay what's going on here um is she playing amazing basketball yes in my mind is she in the discussion no because in my mind the and now someone's gonna definitely go back to that last episode we did and put and like show the receipts of me saying something very different i'm calling it now um but in my mind it's like a three maybe four person race and if i'm gonna be honest if i look at it i just think john Cole jones Benajah Laney, Brianna Stewart. And honestly, like, I could even say, you know, if if I I could pick one more person from each of those teams that I want to include in the MVP race before, in my mind, I would go to Tina Charles. But again, I'm falling, you know, into my own trap of doing that for the, the, the teams at top of the rankings. For me, it's just like Tina Charles is the same old story of her putting up some great stats while... You know, back in New York, what what was she doing? She was playing some great basketball, some would argue. But she was playing, in my opinion, great basketball where there wasn't the team around her and other people weren't producing, or at best, one other player would produce, which is basically what we've seen now. I agree, though, with what you're saying. Of Like, obviously, these stats probably aren't going to keep. Um, and if we're talking about it just in the sense of at this day and time, should she be in the discussion? I get where you're coming from. Personally, it's just not my flavor. I don't, I don't know what the right term might be. <laughs> well, let me, let me ask you this. Yeah. this is, um, let me ask you this question. Do you think there could be an MVP on a, on, a, on, a, on a team that is not doing so well? And I don't mean from a standpoint of, like, let's say they're still making their players around them better. They're still affecting their game. They're, you know, they're, they're having that overall impact. But the team record is not they're not one of like say the top three teams in the league. Mm-hmm. Yes. hundred yeah. percent. And in fact, I feel like I, I feel like this is what is going to bite me in the butt of like last time when we had this discussion, I think I was like very keen on this where like, if you look back, I actually did this with uh, Chris Wozniak, our graphics guy at Winsider. Um, we got into this whole debate as we often do in the Winsider Slack page. Um, and we were talking about this and we went through all of the MVPs and you look back and I'm trying to think there was like throughout the history of the W I want to say there was less than three times where the MVP was picked, not from the top two teams. Yeah. Maybe there was like a few more, give or take one or two. Um, and looking at that upset me because of, of what you asked. Like I fully believe Yes, you can be, in my opinion, you can be the MVP of the league and not be a top three team. Now, I think, it, in my mind at least, the lower you get in the rankings, the more you individually have to be doing, right? So, like, yeah. if, you, and if you're not a playoff team, you better be setting record, like, set the record for most points in the game, setting records in, like, left, right, up, down, whatever. 
if you're in that window of like the eighth seed to the sixth seed, you still got to be on that ridiculous level, which right now I think the Mystics are right around the eighth seed if the playoffs started today. Obviously, still insanely early to say that comment. Um, so yeah, I just think that the ass kind of like the bar is set that much higher um, for players who aren't in those top three. But I would love, like love flat out to see a four or five seed team get an MVP because I think too often the, the and I'll call myself on this, like I'm part of the WNBA media. media. I just think too often WNBA media, media, can't say media today, um, gets into this, you know, quicksand trap of how good the top teams are playing. And typically one player is like orchestrating or just mind-blowingly good. And we have a sour taste in our mouth when we see worse teams. So this is my way of saying like my head's all over the place. What, what do you think? Do you <laughs> think it has to be? I mean, obviously no, but I'm curious to like full-on win one do you think that it should be a requirement to be a top three or what, what's your take on it? No, I don't. But then you have the argument, like, I think some people were, were stomping for Arike last season, right? Um, as, as one of the, would she, did she finish as the top scorer for the league last season? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. So there you have a player who's balling out, but um, it didn't translate. It didn't translate in the standings. It didn't translate in wins. They finished, um, when did they finish last year? It was like eight or nine. Uh, they finished ninth last year. So, um, so yeah, I mean that you have, so what's, what do you do there? Well, then that's when I think you do have to figure, figure in and what, what the impact they have on the rest of the team. I think it does come into play at some point, but it doesn't necessarily have to be like the top one, two, three teams. Like I do think there could be an MVP in those mid range teams. Yeah, um, especially when you have records that are so similar, and and there's kind of some parity in that middle pack. Um, so so yeah, but I think as far as like lower lower, like maybe ten, eleven, twelve, I think it would be very hard, um, to to have a make a case for for an MVP on the maybe the bottom four teams. Well, I mean, to echo what you're saying, one, I think the middle with with like there's no tiebreaker. You know what I mean? Is in the sense of it, typically, if we're talking making a playoff seating, yeah, there's a tiebreaker, and I'm sure the WNBA voters, there's a tiebreaker in each person's individual mind. But I fully expect at the end of the season, we're going to have a huge grouping of teams with extremely similar records, and there's going to be a lot of tiebreakers. So that kind of you know adds to what you're saying of with similar records, how do you differentiate? But then also to what you're saying of this idea of win shares, you know, because your value to the team is an important aspect where I think that's an aspect that I personally, I'll call myself on it. Don't look at enough in the sense of saying, okay, well, if we take this player out, what happens to this team? And that kind of drop off of what is that player's impact? What is that player's to be punny value uh, to this team? I think is a huge aspect of it, but all right, cool. We've talked MVP race. Unless you got some final thoughts, I got next topic for us. Well, we didn't, we only talked about Tina. So do you want to give, give me your, give me your top three and then I'll give you my top three. Okay. So my top three are John Cole Jones, Benajah Laney, Brianna Stewart. Um, And I personally have, I had up until the game last night where Brianna Stewart and John Cole Jones battled it out. I personally had, Benajah Laney higher up. Mm-hmm. I had her as my number one. And John Cole Jones as like a very, very close two. And Brianna Stewart, a distant third. Not distant in the sense of like, just in the sense of I felt that it was Benajah and John Quell like neck and neck. You know what I mean? Like yeah. when you're watching a like a track meet and they're coming in from TV, you can't tell who won until they, they show the replay of crossing the line. Who are, mm-hmm. who are your top three? So I have similar. So John Quill is my my top. Uh, Benajah would be second. Brianna would be third. And I kind of have Sabrina's like my dark horse. I just I she is impacting that team on so many different levels. Um, and just when she's on the floor, it just 
you know, from assists, like the rebounding, the the points, just um, directing the offense, you know, she's just having a really incredible impact. Not that we didn't, wouldn't have expected it, but I kind of, so she's just kind of lingering in the background for me for right now. Um, nope, just, I agree. Just because of everything she does. But what I like about John Quell right now is just the, the across the board breadth of the way she affects the game. Um, and it's, it's a bit more than Benaja. I know Benaja is taking over and, um, putting up points and she's, um, she's got, you know, she's become this go-to player for the Liberty, which is amazing. And I love to see it, but John Quell, man, I mean, rebounding blocks, three point shot, you know, even like, even from an assist standpoint, like she's just, She's just playing so well. It's and and she's so elegant and smooth. Oh yeah, her jo- even from three point, like she just, <laughs> it's just, just it's like the rhythm of it. It's so like, oof. It's it's like music, honestly. Like I, watching last night, it the way that she just the flow of her getting her shot up from three is just it's art. It's beautiful. Say what you want. I would watch. Mm-hmm. Like, just clips, not even the, like, you know how they do the highlight videos? Uh, people mm-hmm. do, like, training videos, and it's like, they put the ball up, and then it cuts to, like, the ball going in the hoop. I yeah. would just watch the first cut. Just her getting, her, like, her getting the shot up. Yeah, yeah it, it is so beautiful. And it I is. Agree I agree with you. The, the, I guess the thing leaning me towards Benaja is more so, um, going back to my debate with Chris, when we were looking at who's one MVP, it's like almost always a big mm-hmm. and to see somebody who in my mind, Benajah was one is a bit like, obviously they're different players. Right. But like on defense, the, the style of impact that Benajah has versus John Quell is so different, right? You're not going to be putting John Quell on a guard. I mean, obviously she's going to get switched there sometimes and she's capable and you can run past her, but she's got those go, go gadget arms. So she's <laughs> from like 10 feet away. But like, Benajah, like in my mind, when I look at Benajah Laney, and this is kind of out there, but stay with me, it's almost as if we saw an Elena Beard player who is that impactful of like, I'm going to put you on their best player type defender, um, but also doing that on the offensive side. And so for me, it's just to not have a big, and that's obviously a bias that I have because I'm six feet and never played big. Uh, so if Rachel was here, she'd be telling us that I'm crazy. It should be John Quell. Um, but that's kind of where I'm coming from on that. What, what are your thoughts on like a non-big maybe getting a leg up because of the history of the bigs winning? Yeah, I don't know if it's just that. I think maybe they're in a position to just impact the game more from like getting rebounds and, and blocks and points, like just to have stats across the board, which I like to look at as far as MVP goes. But I don't know. I think um, I think it's just with, with John Quayle and what she's able to do at – at her size and her height and how agile and athletic she is and how that shows all over the court. I just, there's, there's really no, she's got the leg up for me. Cool. Well, let's move on a perfect segue to the Connecticut sun. They're starting off hot and I am going to shame myself for honestly, like going into the season, we talked about this a while back. Um, you know, I think when we had you on the episode last time, it was you, me and Rachel talking, we were talking about Connecticut and correct me if I'm wrong. Um, at any point, obviously. <laughs> um, but I just feel that, like, there we had those questions. We hadn't seen Bonner and John Quell play together. We didn't know how um, Brianna Jones and John Quell were going to play together. It was a lot of question marks. Most of the questions have been answered. I also, as, as amazing as it is for John Quell's ability to play inside and out, same with Duana Bonner, I got to say, it's kind of amazing to see this Connecticut Sun team, which is kind of like a fusion of new age basketball and old age basketball. Old age basketball sounds weird. Shouldn't have said that. But a fusion of like the different styles of basketball, of, of the different evolutions of basketball that we've seen. What What are your thoughts on, on this fiery start for the Connecticut Sun? Um, I think, you know, they... I would, I will be honest and I will own this. They were kind of in my blind spot. Um, I didn't, I wasn't really, really looking at them. And for no other reason that um, I just, just, I just didn't, I didn't think they were going to do this well, but I didn't think they were going to do horrible either. I just um, didn't, didn't see them as this like coming out 
um, with an undefeated streak and then um, just losing a close one to Seattle. But um, they share the ball so well and they, their game is so fluid. Um, they have four players averaging um, double figures. Um, it's, it looks just looking down the roster, you can see there's, there's contribution from pretty much almost everyone on the roster. Um, except, (laughs) except for Alyssa Thomas, who isn't playing. So, (laughs) um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's odd. They just play such great team basketball and the way they share the ball, um, the, the way they get the ball in everybody's hands. And it's when you watch their offense, it's just like, it's kind of like poetry in motion, right? It just, it flows so well. It's a, it's like just like we were talking about John Quill's jumper, but it's, it's kind of, it's fun and it's, it's beautiful to watch. So um, just their, their offensive, their offensive game, I guess, isn't that surprising to me? I guess what, um, what I'm more surprised about is just their defensive game and um, how well they've been playing on that side of the ball. Oh yeah. I mean, look, we all know a, the Connecticut sun for a long time, are going to be a defensive-minded team. Um, honestly, I was more... I don't know which side I was more curious, confused, scared about for them. Because going into it, I was like, okay, but Bonner, Jones, and Jones? Like, how is that going to work? How's the spacing going to work? And I, it's been beautiful. They're now allowing a lot of second-chance points. They're controlling the paint. Obviously, when you have such length, such height, you're going to have that advantage. But somebody who's really stood out to me over the past few games has been Natisha Heideman. I mean, mm-hmm. averaging 12.7 points a game, she was the confidence. I assume you watched the game last night. If you didn't, mm-hmm. rewatch it, fans, rewatch it. Because Natisha Heideman in the first half, maybe it even went into the third quarter. Um, I'm blanking on when, uh, not to spoil alert, she got a little injury. Um, I haven't seen an update on that yet. But the confidence she had shooting the ball has was unmatched right like she just looked next level you know controlled cool and confident in just her third season i just want to recap this in 2019 she starts zero games she's getting around 10 minutes per game shooting 41 percent and 46 percent from three okay she's getting 3.7 points a game next season she goes up to 18 minutes she's shooting slightly lower on all those percentages but She's now getting double that with six points. And now six games in, she started five of them. She's averaging 12 points in 33 minutes. She's shooting 42%, which is a career high, uh, 39% from three. The biggest question is definitely the free throw, you know, dependency or consistency from her. But what are your thoughts on, on Natisha and just what she's been able to do early on in this season? Yeah, that's a that's a great point. I mean, we're looking at a at a possible most improved player right there, um, year over year. And I th- I think her getting the chance to slip into a starting role and like just just really um, you know shine and, and get a chance to like play her game has been fun to watch. And and she fits right in like seamlessly in that role. Um, the other thing about the sun is there. You talk about their length with well, their rebounding has been off the charts. I mean, they get second, the second chance points is what kills teams the most. And they're, they're um, averaging 11.3 uh, offensive rebounds per game and their opponents are only averaging 6.8. So there's, there's that, that's a bit, that's a big gap. And then you have, um, you know, they're holding their opponents to uh, 10 less points per game, uh, 72.3. So um, yeah, they're just, everything's clicking. Everything's clicking for them right now. Well, John Cole Jones, I, I don't know why no one's checked her hands for Stickum yet because some <laughs> of the rebound, and not even just the rebound she gets, but some of the passes that her teammates throw her down in the paint, you're looking at it and, and you're thinking, well, no, all right, I've trained myself to never say this again. But when the, pass, when the ball's going in, you're looking at it and you're like, there's no way she could get that. That's like way too high for her. And she's got the go-go gadget arms. I mean, it's it's really ridiculous, and that's why we continue to talk about John Quill Jones in the MVP race. I mean, right now they're seated number one because um, they have the tiebreaker. But I mean, th- this team is just—it's it's fun to see this, and I'm so happy to it. Like almost because I was so sad going into the season, knowing that we're going to be entering the third year of Duana Bonner's contract 
with the team before we even have the chance of seeing Bonner, Thomas, uh, and John Quill Jones all together. But just seeing them play so good early on has just, honestly, it's made me happy. So that's all I can ask for. Any final thoughts on the sun? Well, you make a good point. I mean, imagine them with Alyssa Thomas, you know. Um, I mean, it's kind of a scary thought. It's a very <laughs> scary thought, but here's the thing. I And call me crazy, I, I'm, I don't want to say that the team is better without Alyssa Thomas, because I don't mean that at all. But I think they might not have gotten off to the same super hot start because they've given the ability, having Brianna Jones gives the ability to, for John Quill to space out a little bit more. It gives the ability, they can kind of take rotation. Now, Brianna Jones' ability to kind of do her best Alyssa Thomas impression and get the ball at the top of the key and, and do some spin moves, drive down, whatever, has been really impressive this season. I don't think I gave her enough credit for it last year. Maybe she just didn't do it enough last year. Um, but I do question, you know, and maybe this is going to be the problem all offseason after this year, right? Whether they win the championship or not, it's going to be, okay, but how are they going to mesh back together with Alyssa Thomas after Jones's blowout season? Um, I think that's going to be an interesting aspect for the talking heads to kind of wrap our head around because in the same respect, like I know I'll speak for myself. It was really hard for me to, after what we saw last year with the, the will and domination of Alyssa Thomas and like carrying her team to where they went. It was like painful in my mind to imagine the shift of bringing in John Quill Jones and losing Alyssa Thomas. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe I'm alone in that. I don't know. <laughs> I love the way your mind works though. <laughs> <laughs> it's like say something that immediately try and poke a hole in it and attack myself. So right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. any final thoughts on Connecticut before we talk about the closest team to you? I believe the closest team to you. I don't actually know. Cause I don't know Northeast geography. Uh, uh, yeah, they would. Well, we're all good on the sun, but yeah, the Liberty would be, would be the closest team. All right, sweet. Well, perfect segue to New York Liberty. Tough, tough start to the season. I mean, I don't think anybody, somebody put down five and one and a big amount of money on it, and they're cashing out right now for the New York Liberty. Uh, quick update, Liberty's medical staff has determined after the injury uh, to Natasha Howard, she will be unavailable for about four to six weeks. Uh, the expectation is, talk to me about your your thoughts on the, the New York Liberty's I, I couldn't think of a good a, a good pun about the New York Liberty in this hot start, but go for it. <laughs> um, and their liberation, perhaps. Ooh. Yeah, just trying to throw that in there. So, yeah, so I, in my preseason rankings, you know, I, you didn't really know what to expect, right? They got some new pieces. Um, they, they had, you know, Natasha Howard come over, and, of course, unfortunately, she is now injured, but, um, and, um, and Sammy Whitcomb. So like, you know, they had some new pieces and Sabrina's back. So I wasn't sure. So I had them, I had them ranked 11th actually in my preseason rankings, just based on last year and just the unknown. And let me, did they blow that out of the water? I mean, my goodness, it's just, they're playing, they are playing such great basketball and it's, and it's like there, you can tell that they're just there's no one player that's kind of just like, I'm just going to take this over. I know we talked about um, Benajah and how, how well she's playing offensively and, and she's leading the team in scoring, but it's not, it's not all her, all her and it's not all her, you know, just doing it on her own. She's getting open. They're getting her the ball. Um, Sabrina's distributing the ball well. Um, they're playing good team basketball. But then, um, you know, also on a, you know, a defensive point, I mean, they're not, they're not the biggest team in the league. Um, and they're and they're playing pretty good defense in that regard. So I think I think overall it's been a surprise. Am I wrong? No, it has to be a surprise. And and I'll echo what you said. It's not been one player taking over, but the reason that I kind of give the nod to to not Sabrina, Benajah, is because when they've the thing that I've loved about this team early on, and the thing that I think has surprised me most is their confidence. You know, yeah. they're not playing like a team to what you said that just had all these new pieces come in. They're not playing like a team that not only did all these new pieces come in, but the leftover pieces from past seasons are pretty young pieces. You know, mm. like everyone is, they're having fun. They have confidence in each other. 
um, and trust in each other. And I think that's a huge element of, of what's been working defensively. But back to Benajah, I just feel when they've struggled or where they've hit those moments of struggle, she's been, not always, but often she's the one to answer the call. And it's been really impressive to see her do that um, for a number of reasons. But that that's why she kind of, in my mind, is that standout player. But someone who brings the hype, you know, Dee Richards has done much better than I expected from her. Right? And that's not a knock towards her. Jazz Jones, somebody who I have to give credit to my wife, Annalyn. She, uh, last season, was watching a Liberty game while I was cooking dinner and was like, Arya, stop cooking. Come over here. I just rewinded. Watch this play. This is a player you need to keep your eye on. And I've just been a flat-out Jazz Jones fan ever since because she, she just has that it, that it factor, right? Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what else to say about the Liberty. Like, I did not expect them this high. I thought they'd be fighting for a playoff spot. Did not think we'd be talking about them, you know, six games into the season for a few teams. Um, talking about them being 5-1 and one and a tiebreaker away from being the number one team in the league. Do I still have my question marks? Yeah. Do I still think that they're going to hit some rough patches in the season? Yeah, every team is going to. And how you respond to that kind of makes up the story of the season. Um, but, wow, I mean, is there somebody... Kylie Shuff. I mean, there, there's just a lot of players who are playing their role well and fitting in mm. and doing better. Like, I don't want to say best of their ability because that's almost demeaning, and I don't want to say better than their ability because that's even worse. They're out-punting the coverage is the only metaphor or simile I can think of. They are just... They're just blowing me away, and and I keep waiting for that one game where I'm like, all right, finally, here's the struggle. Like, but they haven't had it, and and honestly, watching them, and I'm curious your thoughts on this. Watching them, it it can't help me but think of like the WNBA season is so short that if you get on a hot start, right, like you can power through a bunch of games, and I I guess I'm just more shocked that we haven't seen more teams go from really bad to really good just because they get that confidence of a hot start and are able to run through and just like shocker we just won the championship (laughs) yeah i to to echo what you said about um their role players just knowing knowing what their role is going in and getting that done i think Edie richards is the perfect example of that when she goes in and even it's she's only averaging 10 minutes per game but she those are impactful minutes and you see it um, you see it happening on the court, whether she gets a steal, um, makes a good dish, uh, scores a bucket. You know, she's making those plays that they need um, when the starters are, are on the bench. And they, uh, they're I don't know. I don't know exactly what what the system is that Walt Hopkins has them in, because, you know, I'm not I don't look at it from that and like the analytical mind or whatever, where I could, you know, name it um, right off the bat. But. Man, he what how what he has them in is working and is working for them. It's playing to their their strengths and they're just uh, they're another team that just has found that chemistry right off the bat. And that's so that's really hard to do when you have new pieces. You think it would take a couple games to kind of sink in, but um, they've they've got it. They like playing with each other and they like playing for each other. You could you could see that. Support for the Windsider Show is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in below the waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your personal space. Manscaped just launched their fourth-generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right, 4.0. Join over 2 million men and women worldwide who have trusted Manscaped. With this exclusive offer, you can get 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code WINSIDER20 at manscaped.com. I'm one of the first to try the new Lawnmower 4.0, and I'm blown away by the performance. The craftsmanship and detail are next level. Manscaped engineered the ultimate body trimmer by focusing on intelligent, functional, and incredibly comfortable grooming experience. Their fourth-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin-safe technology. I now feel confident in safe shaving, and so will you. The Lawnmower 4.0 even allows you to customize your trim through additional guard lengths, sizes 1 through 4. And did I mention wireless charging? The new wireless charging system helps the battery length last longer. 
Get 20% off and free shipping with the code WINSIDER20 at manscaped.com. And trust me, you won't regret this. And honest, this is such a weird connection, but for some reason I'm thinking, I'm connecting them to the Atlanta Dream when Nikki Collin first got there and they went on that crazy run and they were like the number one, number two team most of the season. Um, not to say that they're going to have like a fall off, but in the sense of like when it clicks early on, you can really ride that for a while. Um, but I think we've talked about the Liberty a good amount, but on the flip side of a different team, that the role players have maybe struggled a little bit. Uh, the Chicago Sky, possibly, I mean, I think it's easy to say, a disappointing start to the season. They're ranked number five currently. They've only played four games, uh, which is a point we'll get to uh, in a little bit. So it's a little bit hard when we're talking about teams that have played six games and then teams that have played four games and teams that have played two games. Yes, there are some teams who have only played two games. Um, it's, it's interesting because for me, the Chicago Sky... And I, we, you know, shameless plug, we had Kalia Copper on the episode, on the podcast uh, last week, this past weekend. And I was talking to her because the Chicago Sky, since James Wade has taken over, historically, obviously historically, it's only been a couple seasons, but they always start off so hot and then hit this rough patch. And I asked her about that and I was like, how do you guys start off so strong? And her response was, honestly, training camp with James is insane. When you, like you finish training camp, you look at the first couple games, and you're like, oh, those will be easy. There's no way it will be as hard as it is. And now I haven't let that sink in to think about how that computes to the rest of the season, but talk to me about your feelings on the Chicago Sky. Obviously, injuries have hampered their team. Yeah, I think they're underperforming from from my the preseason expectations that we all had, and obviously Candace Parker is a big piece of that. She's only played one game. But if you look at their overall stats, I mean, they're in they're in close games. They're they're score they're averaging eighty points per game, but they're allowing their opponents seventy nine points per game. Um, they're getting uh, uh they're getting out rebounded on on the offensive glass, and um and they're they're shooting they're only shooting thirty nine point six percent from the field, which for the amount of good shooters that they have, I I feel like that's kind of low on oh, the yeah. low side. Um. Uh, they're they're getting the ball stolen out of their hands new, uh, more than um, they're stealing it away. They have they're averaging 18 turnovers per game. That's that's a lot of turnovers per game. And um, I just think when we talk about the other teams that are clicking, um, I think we can say that Chicago is not exactly clicking right now. Um, there seems to be like some cohesiveness that is missing. Um, on the, on the roster and and they could be one of those teams that I thought needed, you know, a few games to get everything flowing in the right direction. I mean, that that could be what's happening right now, but they have to shoot the ball better. They have to play better defense. They have to take, take care of the ball better. Um, just a, a few things across the board. Well, and I think I saw, I believe it was Andy Costable um, tweeted something out that was like, the just the rankings of points per possession over the past three years and it's been like top three or something like that for the past few years and then this year they're 10th or 11th um so yeah I, I completely agree I mean that's that's been the calling card of this team right they they haven't been the greatest defensive team turnovers really hurt them last year overall I remember talking to James Wade and him just saying get a, a really cool analogy where he was like you know a lot of the turnovers were just sloppiness in the sense of if if you're standing one place, Lindsay, and I'm standing one place and I'm doing the same bounce pass to you every you know a thousand times, the first hundred, first five hundred maybe, are gonna be crisp and perfect. And after a while, I'm like, Well, I know you're not moving. Why do I need to, you know, put the same effort in? And it starts to get a little bit sloppier, a little bit more lackadaisical. Um, and he kind of used that analogy to express why he felt like they were getting a little bit too comfortable in it and people started to pick up on that. Um, so shooting percentage, rebounding and turnovers are, are huge ones for me. Obviously when Candace Parker gets back, I think it's going to take care of a few of those. Um, and also the defensive end and anything else. I mean, for me, it's been a little disappointing. Uh, Diamond is shields just like every one of her shots just seems like a couple inches off. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like when somebody, when someone's consistently shooting and it's always hitting the back of the rim or it's, you know what I mean? 
Yeah, it's it's like I don't know. I don't, like I said, it's, I, I don't know if it's a rhythm thing where because this is this is a team that should be shooting at a higher field goal percentage. Um, they have they have good shooters, and I don't know. It's just something something's off, and it's not one of those things where you you try not to get frustrated, and you just you know um, try to get that that rhythm back. That um, you know, getting your getting your shots to fall, um, and it's just. I mean, they're they're close. They're they're only lo- they're they're averaging only losing like by one one point a game. I mean, they're they're scoring eighty and they're giving up seventy nine. So I mean, they're they're. I feel like let me put it this way. I don't feel like it's it's that complicated of an issue for, for them to figure out. I feel like they're just things they got they have to clean up. Oh, I agree. And also, I mean, let's you know stop. Pull your hand away from hitting the panic button. They're two and two. Yeah. So the number one and the number two team in the league are five and one. They're one loss behind them, right? So like they still got games to make up uh, to get back up there, which just makes this whole aspect of the season so confusing. And I would love to have a chat with whoever created the schedule because they're just some like it's for for us who want to do power rankings, who want to talk about where these teams stack up against each other. It's really hard to say this early on in the season. Uh, it's a little bit different if we were mid or towards the end of the season, because then you kind of already have an understanding of who these people, who these teams are. Um, but hey, the, it is what it is. Let's talk about my hometown team, another team that's been a little bit of a surprise struggle early on in the season, ranked last in the league. I mean, hey, if you would have told me in 2016 that the LA Sparks and the Minnesota Lynx, uh, early on, in, or not early on, six games in for some teams are going to be ranked 11th and 12th in the WNBA in 2021. I would have said, Lindsay, you're crazy. Um, what are your thoughts on the Minnesota Lynx? Are we, do, are we doing Lynx or are we doing Sparks? Sorry, we're doing Lynx first and then Sparks. I, I realized that was so confusing. Let's, <laughs> let's talk about the Lynx because they're 0-3 and then we'll go to the Sparks who are 0-2. They're the only two teams in the league to not win a game yet. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the first thing that jumps out when you're looking at the links is Nafisa Collier, right? Um, yeah. She. So I mean, she hasn't played, and she's a, she's a, she's a huge part of this team. Um, so that's just it's taking out the key a, a key piece, and then again, you have some new pieces. You have Ariel Powers, you have Kayla McBride, and um, both of them are um, I don't want to say are you know co- carbon copies of each other, but they have similar games and. Um, I don't know. It's a, it's another one of those things where it's just something, you know, something's not clicking. Um, they're, they're only averaging 76 points per game. They're, they're only shooting 23% from three point, um, land. And I feel like that's, that's a number that was way higher last year, last season. You can correct me if I'm wrong. Um, they're, um, they're averaging 18 assists per game, but you know, the their opponents are are spreading the ball around more so um i don't know just kind of i just i feel like this is another one of those teams where maybe like they're 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 better than their record shows and it, it's one of those things that's just going to work itself out i i agree with many of those points because i like if if you show me a, a list of the teams excuse me um i don't think i would say that i believe the links are that low I wouldn't even put the links on the same level with the Sparks, all respect to the LA Sparks. Um, I agree. They've, you know, they have their key piece, their, you know, assumed MVP candidate, right? If every team has one MVP candidate, you could argue it's going to be still. You could also very well say, hey, it's Nafisa's time. Um, but I agree. I mean, it, it's funny because when I look at this team, I go, well, we're kind of letting in water from two ends, right? We're letting in water in the fact that this defense, this team defensively, uh, which while they're very athletic, just has not, there's, we talked about trust earlier with the New York Liberty. There's no trust with the Minnesota Lynx. And I think I saw some quotes coming out of Minnesota. Um, maybe it was Ariel Powers. Maybe it was Kaylin McBride. Maybe it was Cheryl Reeve who talked about it. I don't have the quote right in front of me. Um, but it was an interesting quote of just basically like, there hasn't been trust between us. And, and you notice um, players kind of, going in to help each other earlier than you should, which leaves a man open. Um, excuse me, leaves a woman open. And mm-hmm. I think, so, like, for me, on the one side, I'm like, oh, this defense is just not, it's just not there, which boggles my mind when you have athletic players like they do um, and having the coach that they do in Cheryl Reeve, who 
last year that was kind of their calling card, right? Like, we're going to be a great defense. It's going to keep us in games for when our offense struggles. And so on the flip side, and there also was a quote I think recently came out of like immediate availability yesterday or the day before where Cheryl Reeves said, our offense isn't clicking, our defense isn't going to be elite, but it'll be much better once we, that's what it was, once we trust each other and once our offense gets going. Mm-hmm. So at least that gives you some perspective of what's going on in the camp. Offensively, I have to echo what you're saying. I mean, they're just not, I don't even, I, like they couldn't buy a three-pointer. Mm-hmm. I, Glenn Taylor, A-Rod, could throw all the money in the world at it, and they can't buy a, a three-pointer this season so far, which is mind-boggling for, I mean, somebody who has been a little bit disappointing, but defensively she's starting to step up, uh, specifically in that last Storm game, was Bridget Carlton. I mean, she mm-hmm. was someone who broke onto the scene. Everyone, if you know Bridget, you know that she's a baller and she can score like crazy. Haven't seen that offensively from her. And, sim- like, I guess a lot of the things that were working last year that we kind of accepted as fact you know, Crystal Dangerfield not playing like a rookie or a second-year player, player, right? Playing like an all-star caliber, caliber player. Um, Bridget Carlton hitting some big shots. Uh, Demiris Dantas hitting threes. I think Demiris has struggled a little bit, but she's still putting up some good points. But then Bridget's struggling and Dangerfield's struggling. What do you think the fix is? Offense or defense, I guess, is my ridiculously long rant way of asking you that. Well... You know, there's that saying that defense leads to offense and all that. And I think I think Reeve uh, has always prided their team on and good te- her team on good defense. But I think they just need they start they got to start hitting some shots. And once that confidence gets up, you know, after you hit a bucket, you like come back on the court and you're just, you're just ready to just maybe you're just hyped up a little bit more to play better defense. I I feel like that could, it could that could translate both ways. So um, once you get, I feel like. It, it it could go either way, right? If they get their defense going, and that could that could translate to offense or vice versa. So I feel like they just gotta they gotta start with one and get it get it right that ship, and then um, it'll work itself out. But I don't I don't see this lasting. Um, like I don't see them going. Uh, you know, down, I don't see them being in the slump for for a while. Let me say that. Yeah, when, and they're gonna play Seattle soon. Which the the weird part was when you looked at the schedule, you go, ooh. This is going to be a rough start to the season for the Lynx because they had some tough games to start, and then they play Seattle two times in a row. Obviously, there is a little bit of a break, play Atlanta. Um, it's going to be interesting, and I, I want to echo not only you know what you just said about making a shot and playing defense, that you literally just like stole the words out of Courtney Williams' mouth. I saw like a mic'd up scene with her where she was talking to the team, and she was like, the way we're hyped after we make a shot and we rush back to defense and get up in their face. We need to do that because when we don't make a shot, you know, we're looking like a, a sad little preschooler kind of going over because they feel like they're in trouble or whatever, you know, that little walk. Um, you, you can't do that, and I completely agree with you. I don't expect this to last much longer, but I will caution the Lynx fans and say you got some tough games over the next few, definitely some winnable ones, and a win against Seattle on Friday could be huge. But the question is, you know, Seattle's a great team. They're at 4-1, and one, sitting in third place. Let's talk about the L.A. Sparks briefly. Before we got on air, you had a great point about, you know, some flack maybe that some people are giving you, Winsider, and other outlets or other people who are talking about the power rankings of this team and why it's hard to kind of gauge who these L.A. Sparks are. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I wouldn't say like I'm I'm getting a whole lot of flack, but you know, you you I did my rankings and um people some people asked why, you know, the Sparks weren't in last place because they're own two, but that's the point. They've only played two <laughs> games. Um you can't it's it's hard some of these teams to really gauge where they're at um and even to look at the stats and percentages or whatnot with in just like two or three games because you know they you, it, 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 it's more impactful when you have like a breath of work to look at. So the LA Sparks have only played two games and uh, talking about their looking at some of these teams that have only played two or three games. It's really hard to look at their stats and, and their percentages and really glean a lot from it um, rather than being able to look at like a span of, um, you know, eight to 10 games where there's a larger breath of work there to, to really examine. So 
it's hard to know like where they're at. I mean, do I think they've played well? No. I mean, they're averaging 70 points per game and their opponents are scoring 95. And that's, again, over two games. But, I mean, that's pretty bad. Um, so it could just be the fact that they've only played two games. And uh, I think we were talking about this um, earlier or um, actually before we started recording is that uh, their games their games have been spread out. Um, so how do you get into a rhythm doing that, only playing two games, having them spread out and then, you know, not really, not really getting, trying to get, you can't get that on core chemistry. It's just impossible. So I'm not ready to write off the sparks. Obviously that would be crazy since it's so early in the season, but, uh, I just think we need to see more from them before we can really, before we really need to start worrying. Yeah. And honestly, the only thing that I would add to that is, to what you were saying, you know, I think the knee-jerk reaction a lot of people would say is, okay, yeah, they have a seven-day break in between games, but then they get to practice and blah, blah, blah. Let's keep in mind during COVID, these teams don't have practice squads, right? So their team, it was just announced that Megan Walker tore ACL, so she's going to be out for the season. Um, and Amanda Zowie B hasn't played yet because of, of her back issues. So for me, it's like, well, think about this realistically. This team at best is playing some four-on-four four ball, right? Or different drills, but you can't play a full five-on-five five game. So even with those seven-day breaks, you're still hampered to echo and, and to kind of boost up what you're saying. You're not able to get that chemistry. Where like, if we were talking about a normal season where they had these seven-day breaks, fine. Maybe I would, I would debate you a little bit on that of saying, you know, oh, well, they at least get to practice together and get that chemistry. But they don't even get that. And and it's really frustrating. And I'm sure it's frustrating for them, uh, for their coaching staff, for everyone involved, to have such a gap between games and then go out there and perform the way they did in their second game. Um, so I'm excited to see what we'll see from the rest of the season of them because I can't assume that they're going to continue this style of play. But then again, you know, hey, too early to count them out, too early to count them in, I would say. Uh, any final thoughts on anything we didn't touch on uh, before we close off this episode? Yeah, I mean, I think with the Sparks, the, the one thing I'd be concerned about is their offensive production and, and where where that's really going to come from. Um, you know, Chanae, to me, has never been um, like a go-to like scorer. Um, and who's going to, who's going to carry that load besides NECA, you know, is, um, you know, Christy Tolliver obviously has the capability to, to put up some, some higher points, but just looking at the roster, I guess that would be my only concern is the, is where's that offensive production going to come from? You're right. As I always say, Winsiders are one-stop shop for all your WNBA news and conversation, but we can't do without your help. Become a subscriber at patreon.com backslash Winsider for just a few dollars a month. You can help grow the game. Thank you so much, Lindsay, and we'll have to have you back. Yeah, definitely. Well, let's talk again when there's more games played and we could really kind of, I think, see how things are kind of playing out better. Um, that would be awesome. Love it.